Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good Saturday, good morning. We're off and running. Home improvement, two hours, all about you, everything important about your home, your building, your safety, your health, and security, lighting, security, functionality, all the stuff around the homes and the buildings, the offices we go to, and any other thing, whether it's a doghouse, the shutout back, or maybe it's just, you know, something you're contemplating in the future for yourself. All right, do-it-yourselfers, bring it on. I am your research and development. My name is Scott Mosby. I've been on here about 28 years. I enjoy this time very much so, very much a member of the KMOX family, both as a listener and a show host. So I like my time here, and I enjoy spending and learning from you. Phone lines for exchanging ideas for your best things, your worst things, all the questions you might have, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. And everything's really on the table today. Um, As we get into kind of a little bit overcast, maybe a little bit of rain and such, just kind of nice to be indoors on a day like today. Just uh, feels good to be warm and cozy. So that's where the furnace is working. Uh, Keep in mind, as we go into the winter, especially with the holiday season with people coming in and out, visitors coming in and out, all the fun trips, the extra shopping and running about, seeing people, maybe you spoil yourself. My holiday gift to me is having lunch with people I haven't seen for a while. So I like to get together and just catch up on folks that takes you know it's it's outside of my normal course of life so i enjoy seeing and uh, catching up with folks like that those are a few more extra trips in and out of the house that i normally might take 314-436-7900 tis the season we are in hanukkah here uh blessings to all uh celebrating celebrating in whatever manner you do because it matters you know intentionality and respect uh, gratitude huge 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 uh big tenet of mine and something i struggle with as well uh, i try to be grateful for all the blessings in my life and when they come fast and faster i have to remember these are good things and uh, one of my favorite sayings is be careful what i ask for i just might get it well that's uh, true for many of us. 314-436-7900. To that point of the holiday, uh, we uh, actually, myself and my coworkers, we at Mosby Building Arts are stepping up to support churches on the streets, churches on the streets, uh, stuff the truck, collecting items for homeless in St. Louis. It's an issue. It's an item. The more we move forward as a community, the fewer places there are for folks to kind of on the streets. So we're trying to get her done. Uh, you can drop off clothing for men and women, toiletries, food, miscellaneous things like hand warmers, bus tickets, blankets, sleeping bags, all that sort of thing uh, at our two locations, Mosby's Kirkwood Design Studio, 115 West Argon, right across the street from the Kirkwood train station, down the street from Billy G's there in Kirkwood, and at our main office uh, down in the industrial section of Kirkwood, 645 Leffingwell Avenue, 645 Leffingwell Avenue, very near the Big Bend and Highway 44 exit there, uh, so we're not too far off the street there. 314-436-7900. Blessings to all of you. Uh, Holiday season. Seasons and uh, golly, just remember 
Uh, hug your loved ones, your families, and the people in your life that matter because we never know. There are no guarantees here. 314-436-7900. My name is Scott Mosby. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. We've been at it since 1947. We're now in our 76th year, something like that. We've been around a very long time. Uh, I'm second generation. My father founded the company in 1947. I'm second. We're now on to third generations. And now as we continue to Uh, evolve on as Mosby Building Arts. It's interesting. The family business now includes our clients as well as our trade partners because the further together we get in figuring out how to deliver and be a better company and be a better provider of remodeling design and services for our customers, you know, it's just kind of like the world. We're kind of all in this thing together. None of us are going to get off this planet alive. So we might as well work to figure this out. My point is that family business to me has taken on a very different um, uh, thought because, you know, clients are trying to do the same thing we are. We're trying to support ourselves, uh, enhance the lives for our families and our areas where we live. So it's so much happening there. Uh, 314-436-7900-436-7900. Let's fire up the phone lines. Get Bosco. He's my little gerbil back here on the treadmill firing out 50,000 watts. Let's catch up and go to the phone and talk to my buddy Steve. Hey, Steve, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Uh, I've got uh, two questions for you. Number one, we had a water softener installed in our house about mm-hmm. two years ago, and it uses very little bit, very little salt, and I was wondering how do I have that water tested to see if I need to change the hardness factor on the water softener? Uh, where did you get the water softener? Because typically uh, sizing or setting the water softener, if it, if it is a brine tank solution, basically all the ions come through the hard water and the salt then back flushes or cleans up all those built-up ions so that when the new water comes through laden with minerals, it sticks to that uh, element there. So it's the salt that washes your filter, if you will. That's kind of an oversimplification. The point is, is you can have that softener backwash or cleansing cycle last longer if you have harder water. So generally, when your water softener is installed, they take a hardness test, very simple, uh, sometimes just a a dip piece of paper, uh, kind of a litmus test sort of thing. So it's very simple to do that, but whoever put in your water softener uh, did that or will and you would know because you would have hard water. Typically, soft water has a very slippery feel about it. If you're washing your hands and it's very slippery, uh, it feels like there's soap scum to me. And the reality is it's just the opposite. There is no soap residue on me. And the shower doors, the uh, um, uh, the shower faucet, when you have a lot of spots and residue and hard spots, if it takes a lot to clean your shower doors, your shower walls, and your shower faucets, generally you need to turn up the the brine wash uh, and pounds of salt used every month or two months. How's that for an answer? Well, that sounds pretty good. I kind of understood all of that, but I was wondering, they actually did take a hardness test when they installed it, and they set it to what they said should have been okay. But I Mm -hmm. am noticing, you know, it's been two years, but I am noticing on some of the faucets, especially in the kitchen, where there is like a white residue on the plastics. So I'm wondering... I guess I could, should I check the book and it tells me how to increase the uh, the cycle or? 
Well, I would test it first, and and frankly, you could uh, pool t- have uh, you can go to a swimming pool place, a hot tub spa place, uh, the the place where you bought your water softener or customer or. or uh, place that did that uh so there's a water softener or hardness test and it'll be like you know one two three four anyway it'll tell you but uh read the manual because once you get that hardness test then you have to go to the manual anyway to figure out well how do i adjust it for that level that you just discovered so i'd start with your owner's manual first and it might describe how you test for the water and where and what kind of test you know fits into their calculation thing Okay. Uh, the other question I have, in our bathroom, we have dual sinks in our main mm-hmm. bath, in our master bathroom. And mm-hmm. I've been noticing sometimes the water is not coming out quite a lot or it's been diverted a little bit. And I can uh-huh. take the screen, if I take a little piece of tissue or something and rub it across the screen, the last screen there, I get little flecks of black on it. Mm-hmm. So it's on the outside of the screen. It's, I don't have to take anything apart. It's just actually on the outside the, you know, or the diffuser or whatever you want to call it, yeah. but I can take and run across there, and there's little flecks of black on that. What would cause that? Well, it may be kind of a tie-in between your hard water and your water softener. Uh, you still get residue. You still get mineral, um, and it, it can wash away, but that mineral you know, it, whatever deposit sits there on the surface of your uh, uh, your screen, um, aerator is what it's called. Aerator, um, yes. Yeah, uh, that's just normal stuff uh, that comes through the water. So the more you take the hardness out, the more you're going to get that kind of black thing. So it's just, you know, soap and detergent, wash it off. If you do get mineral deposits, then use a vinegar or a solution of like one cup of vinegar and two or three cups of water. Uh, and, and even, you know, back in the day when I lived in a house that didn't have softener, um, you know, I used to hang a bag of, or my wife did when these were metal uh, things, shower heads. We used to hang a bag of uh, vinegar and water with a zip, with a twist tie around the shower head, trying to get that mineral deposit off, so I could get okay. a nice, you know, disbursement. So you can do the same thing. You can actually kind of be careful because the plastic does well with the vinegar acid. The metal does not. <laughs> Right, it so, kind of discolors it if you're careful. Yeah, right. You can pull the finish right off of a nice metal faucet where you pay extra for a metal faucet and then you destroy. So I've, you know, my neat nick in me has come up to rear its ugly head on occasion where, ooh, I took the finish off there. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. So you think that those black uh, little flecks of black will eventually disappear? Uh, no, you you just have to wash them off. You just have to wash them off. It's just part part of the, if you think about the water coming through, you get very fine droplets of water. Well, parts right. of that faucet stay wet all the time. There may be residue in it from minerals. There may not. But that wet part is usually dark, wet, and warm. And it's just gook that's growing there, just, you know, like it's in a drain. It's Is it it's, a mold? Uh, it could be. It, it could be in very much, you a, know. This is a hard, this stuff is hard black. Well, then it's the mold growing in your mineral deposits then, okay. and that will take vinegar to get off. Every, you know, no, even if you have a water softener, um, it gets most of the hardness out, but it doesn't take all of it. And it, you know, if you think about it, so your water softener recycles every four to seven days. Well, when right. you're into day three or four or five, six or seven, that water isn't as soft as it was on day one after the backwash. So you're getting, you know, a continuum of 
very soft to less soft. Oh, then you clean it with the brine backwash. Oh, now we're good back to very. So you're still half the time using some level of mineral-laden water that, that will take that black gook. And for those of you that suffer that in your toilets, that's usually lime deposit on the porcelain and then the colorant or the mold or mildew from being wet all the time, warm and dark. You know, you just have to, you know, wash that off with the vinegar as well and disinfect it as well. Yeah. Thank you very much. Right on. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for getting us going here on this fine Saturday. Have a good one, son. You too, Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby off and running with my friend Steve. We're going to take a short pause, get back on schedule with the Federal Communications Commission. Scott Mosby, KMOX, at your service. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Ho, 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 tis the season. So many things around. Folks, we're about to wrap into a new year. And if you're, uh, if you're like me, uh, really on, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, that's my day. New Year's Day, I go through and I reset the clocks for, you know, all of that as far as the batteries. So it's not the same as, you know, daylight savings time. But uh, sometimes I, I just go back and I change all the batteries in the house. Uh, you know, I've got all these clocks around the house. Sometimes the car rolls over. Sometimes the car doesn't roll over to a new time. Uh, sometimes I've got the thermostats that some that make the adjustment on their own. Some don't. Uh, the point being, get your batteries ready. Tis the season. We've got all these things that come for the holiday gifting time that's ahead for us. And be prepared. Uh, I, I keep batteries around the house, but I'm always short on whatever that popular one is. You know, it, 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 and so many take, you know, like the the sender on the car, you know, the garage door opener. I, I always kind of short on that one. Uh, some view that have security systems, some of the wireless security systems take batteries for some of the windows that uh, are not connected by wire. Be aware of that. Uh, for those of you that have security systems, realize the security system has a backup battery in it itself. Looks like a little bitty car battery that sits in your security system. All those things, my point being be prepared. Uh, start getting your batteries now for that time. And I have in my calendar on January 1st, you know, change the batteries. And it lists all the batteries and all the clocks to set and change because sometimes, you know, those clocks don't set like they're supposed to. And my outdoor sensors for my indoor thermostat or thermometer, you know, that's kind of nice. So keep in mind. Phone lines are open for you, 314-436-7900. Call it in, call it early, call it often, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby here standing by at your service. Next, let's go talk to my friend Mary Lynn. Hey, Mary, is it Mary Lynn or Marilyn? It's Mary Lynn. Thank Mary you. Mary Lynn. Oh, thank yeah. you. Nice meeting hey, you, Mary Scott, Lynn. Blessings for the holiday. Thank you. I have a door sill problem. My door sill has come loose to the outside door, and uh-huh. I don't know. So I'm getting air underneath the sill itself and underneath the door. Yeah. How do I resecure that sill? And then what do I do to stop all? that's coming in uh should be one and the same answer uh your door sill uh, can you describe it to me is it wood is it aluminum are there it's big aluminum. okay and uh did it is it just loose now it just came uh d- 
detach from the floor? Correct. Okay. Um, are the, do you have screws there in it? Do you pull the, can you pull the screws out and see what they are? Okay, I have a brown strip that goes across the top that looks like it's got these little covers on it. I suppose if I pulled those out, there'd be screws underneath there. Okay, okay. And this is on the floor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm trying to pull one up right now as we speak. Yeah. But I'm sure there's screws underneath it. Do you think I need to tighten those screws down? If it's loose, tighten the screw down, but uh, the, the, that that will tighten, so that will loose or that will tighten the threshold piece, the base, um, and oh, okay. with what, so that will hold it down to the floor. When you push it down to the floor, you're going to get an even wider gap between the bottom of the door and the top of that threshold, so more leakage. Okay, okay. So, so I'm, I'm going to need to raise that so up, but how do I get it to stay in place? Well, it, so it, now that it's loose. do you have a wood strip on top of an aluminum uh, threshold there with like three uh-huh. screws or four screws in it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an adjustable threshold. Uh, that's that's really good news um, because okay. those screws don't really hold down the threshold. The threshold is usually uh, connected to the bottom of the door frame or the floor or both. Make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. So. Now, those screws, you should have two or three. They should be, generally, they're flat, straight, you know, just a slotted screwdriver, not a Phillips type. And as you screw them up counterclockwise, they come up. If you screw it in clockwise, that threshold, uh, that wood uh, strip will move down. uh, So you have the rubber or the sweep on the bottom of the door, which is up above. You can't really see that much. But you unscrew... Mm -hmm. So counterclockwise, those screws, until they close, they will raise up. Uh, and sometimes they you raise it up so much, but as you walk across, you vibrate it, and that thing may gets loose, and sometimes it comes disconnected from the base below. Oh, okay. Yeah. So think of it as those screws don't hold the threshold down. They only raise and lower that wood strip to, to connect or okay. close that space. Follow me there? Yes, I do. But how do I ho- get the fill to hold down? <laughs> uh, well, usually uh, that's a different issue. So that whole wood strip comes off. You unscrew those until that whole piece lifts up. Then you're going to encounter probably, you know, three or four uh, real screws, probably Phillips that screw down into the concrete or down into the wood. And that's the part that really holds that uh, threshold piece on the floor. So that's that's totally okay. different than that adjustable up and down piece. You've got a pretty good piece of hardware there, I, mean, I will say. So you're in pretty good stead. It's not it's not a cheapy version of a threshold. You you have a good piece of equipment there. Pull that wood okay, thing so off, I unscrew them. Yeah. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. Oh, and I love it when you talk about the lumber prices. Oh, really? I see why. But I always look forward to that every week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I keep watching right. it. You know, I can't help myself, you know. Now, now, one more thing here before you go here. Uh, so, Mary Lynn, if you pull those screws out underneath that hold your threshold down and you slide uh-huh. them into a hole and they just, there's nothing down there to hold it, you need to put uh-huh. wood down in there, sometimes four or five toothpicks. Um, so that when you screw that back into the hole, uh, it, the the threads will bite, engage, and pull that threshold down. So it's very common. Okay, great. You follow what I mean? You, you sometimes you just yep, have to put I a spacer in. Yep. Okay, there you go. 
Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a great Christmas. Thanks, Marilyn. Goodbye. Home improvement. There we go. So a, a couple of things going on there with her threshold. So there are all kinds of thresholds. If you ever have a do-it-yourself project and you decide, okay, I'm going to change the threshold on this door. It's kind of like a car engine. Uh, many years ago, you could you know time the engine. You could get points and condense. You could you could make the car run better. Well, now those engines, for fuel economy reasons, are very highly engineered pieces that you and I just shouldn't mess with anymore, unless you're a rocket scientist like the guy that built it. Uh, so now you get into things like thresholds. You can't imagine how many different types of thresholds there are. Or if you have a door and you're going to change the uh, weather stripping for it too oh my word man you talk about divine intervention welcomed uh getting the right type of weather strip for a door whether it's magnetic or uh compression um, the right color the right length and then how it actually engages or clips into that wood frame or metal frame uh, anyway suffice it to say that if you've had a do-it-yourself project of fixing or adjusting or changing god forbid the uh, threshold on your door uh, you're into a complexity project that's sometimes nine out of ten so there there are a few things it's kind of like rebuilding your faucet you know most people have the the skills to pull apart a faucet and put it back together, but we do not have the skills to order and procure the right parts from NASA, you know, or whoever the manufacturer is, because there's so many different uh, styles and methods. And now with offshore manufacturing all around the world, various standards, some, you're lucky just to get, you know, it, it decided on whether it's uh, um, in in inches or millimeters, so metric or not, uh, just a big deal. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. One of the things I was reading, um, and it was uh, on, uh, uh, it was in the Wall Street Journal about making um, um, graphite and carbon. And uh, so this was a company that was uh, taking wood chips or pellets and turning it into graphite. And I thought, well, why would you do graphite and carbon? Uh, And so these are batteries for, you know, solar arrays and wind uh, generators, things like that. So now, uh, and really the difference for years, I've been describing putting graphite on your doorknobs, your door locks, and that's how you lubricate is white powdered graphite. Well, now there are batteries that are very um, high performance, uh, pricey, incredibly small out of graphene. And I thought, well, is that a thing? What the heck is graphene? So I looked it up. And it is a version of graphite. So the same stuff you're spraying or I'm asking you to spray on your locks. And and typically, uh, for obvious purposes, uh, graphite is black. Uh, it's like the number two lead pencil stuff. You know, you get it all over your hands when you, you use a pencil. Uh, powdered graphite is black. And if you put that stuff on your lock, your lock will be very happy. It will work very well. The problem is when you pull that key out, it'll have all that black stuff on it. When you put it in your purse or your pocket, 
you stain everything in that pocket or purse because it's black. So that's why I advocate over the years for powdered white graphite. Well, lo and behold, this stuff in number two lead pencils has become a uh, raw material or valuable material for, for making high performance batteries. Go figure. Holy smokes. Thought I was uh, kind of up on things and now I, I feel not. Okay, for my friend Mary Lynn that I just spoke to, um, lumber prices, lumber futures. So what will lumber cost next month and the month after that? Uh, because the whole building material industry has to think ahead. So you and I go to, the, we need that, you know, we're in a hardware, you know, we're doing a project. We need to go to the hardware store, the home center, the lumber, lumber yard, whatever. We need that stuff now today. Where we go to buy it, had to purchase that material three, four months ago. So their pricing is three or four months previous. So today on, you know, December 16th, I'm buying this thing. Well, the lumberyard had to get that, had to take delivery of it, had to break it up into whatever that, you know, whatever that store needed or whatever I needed, move it to that part of their lumberyard, put it in stock, and then sell it to the builders, sell it to me, sell it to the home, whatever it is. My point being, that's why lumber prices are in lumber futures. Now, you farmers out there, you guys are all PhDs on this level because you've been uh, figuring out what is the future price of soybeans or the future future price of corn, all the products and, and, and crops that you grow, you know, you're living in the future all the time. You know, you're in the right now for the weather, but you're in the future of economics. Likewise, the same for the forestry, lumber, and consumer business. So the point being, uh, we are right about $535,000 or $535 per thousand board feet or in layman's terms, 53 and a half cents per board foot. And that's not, now we're in the middle of December, so that was still a January future for that. So that's for a thousand board feet to be delivered in January of 2024. Anyway, I'll get into a little bit more of that, but I use that as kind of a speedometer or health-o-meter, if you will, for where is the price of building materials going to be in two months, which basically tells me how the entire housing industry is going to behave two months, four months, six months, eight months out. So we all look at these interest rates like, oh my gosh, these interest... My parents happily burned their VA a Veterans Administration loan at five and three quarter percent when I was 12 years old and they were doing a happy dance out on the yard out on their driveway as they burnt their five and three quarters uh, percent interest rate and lamenting how I as a youngster would never see interest rates that low again. So just a little bit of context there. Scott Mosby here, KMOX. I'll be right back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement, Scott Mosby. Ho, 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 tis the season. Remember, stuff the truck. Uh, churches on the streets benefiting the homeless in St. Louis. Uh, so the folks that have just a little bit less and uh, working a little bit harder just to break even and stay alive. Uh, clothing for men and women, new, good use condition. Keep in mind, offens get discarded after use. So all that stuff, you know who I'm talking about, all that stuff in your closet that hasn't seen the light of day for uh, fill in the blank here 
that's the stuff that can go to somebody else. Uh, hoodies, coats, gloves, stocking caps, long sleeve shirts, men's jeans and sweats, belts, uh, first aid items, ibuprofen, toiletries, that kind of stuff, any small hotel size things like shampoo, conditioner, deodorant. Uh, and then food, canned food with pop-tops. Pop-tops, yeah, you have to be able to open those cans. Granola bars, protein balls, all that stuff. Drop it by Mosby's one of two locations, uh, Kirkwood Design Studio 115 West Argonne, right across the street from the Kirkwood train station. Uh, that's just straight uh, north uh, from the train station. And then uh, our industrial area part in the in- industrial section of Kirkwood, Missouri, uh, 645 Leffingwell Avenue, 645 Leffingwell Avenue. For those of you that know the Puzzle Warehouse or the Big Bend Highway 44 exit, that's where we be. Let's go to the phone lines and talk to my buddy, Karen. Hey, Karen, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can good morning. I help you this yeah. I have a very simple question probably for you. Okay. Um, I got a angel on top of the tree, an angel on top of the tree that is not LED, but my lights are LED and it's all hooked together. Is there a problem with that? Uh, not if there's a, a female receptacle. So if you have the two-pronged receptacle that plugs into the wall, uh, typically at the end of that LED string, if there's a female two-prong, uh, then that still delivers 120 volts. So it won't cause a fire or something by hooking them together? Uh, uh, No, it will be on the instructions whether it will or won't. But if it has a traditional two-prong, now if it has a little bitty like an electronic uh, connector, then that would indicate that it's already uh, been through that. But generally, that's why on those LED lights, you wind up with with more than two wire conductors. You wind up like, well, I've got this string of Christmas lights. Why in the world are there three and four wires? Well, that's because two of those wires are carrying regular 120-volt electric than the other two or low volt for the for the bulb okay well it is plugged into what what do they call these um oh i can't think this morning the big plugins that have all the little little plugins in them um yeah one of those multi-plug you know plug strip or something yes and it's got a switch on and off and i leave that on all the time because i got um the tree plugged into a a timer that's not a timer but a thing that i can switch it on and off from away from the seat you know oh sweet i'll tell you Way you can find. Have you put this up on the tree yet? Those lights. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, <laughs> then there's your test. Or if you have another uh, string of lights like that, you can plug it into the wall and plug your angel into that right there down on the floor and see how it's going to work. But generally, if you have a two prong traditional thing, you know, it's it, it, then it's expected to take and deliver 120 volts alternating current. Like it's a normal two prong plug in up, up there on that angel that I'm sure because I did that. I, I connected it. Yeah, well, that, I mean, to the other end of the LED bulbs uh, or the LED light string, if it has a female version for the two prongs to go in, then you can plug that uh, angel in. It's with got all the wide and the narrow yeah. stems. You're good. Okay. Okay. You're good. That's, yeah. That's all I wanted to know. I just was worried about that, and I thought maybe I need to get rid of my angel. <laughs> uh, me- measure twice, cut once. Thank you for calling on that question. The Thank life you. you save may be your own. <laughs> It gets very confusing for us. So, okay, thank you so much. All right, thank you so much, Karen. Happy holidays. Blessings to you. And there you go. So uh, Christmas lights. Um, we've all seen, you know, the Christmas vacation, you know, Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase climbing up. And 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 those of you that are Clark Griswold, uh, male or female, you know who you are. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, there's some incredible holiday uh, decorating uh, houses that, that I love that stuff. I, I am um, well beyond my childhood years. I have never left my childhood for loving Christmas lights. I suspect you many may not. Um, and uh, I love Christmas lights. So anyway, keep in mind, if you're plugging this stuff inside your house, you do not need a GFCI ground fault circuit interrupter. If you're just plugging them into the flo- you know, the wall of your house, that's 120 volts, common stuff, or what you and I, you know, typically referred to as 110. Well, it's designed for 120 volts, VAC volts, alternating current, which means standard electric stuff, just, you know, Ameren UE stuff uh, for those of us in the Metro St. Louis area. Uh, And then, um, but it only delivers by the time all the power goes from the transformer and down through all the wires, through our electric panel breakers, up through the wires in our house, out to that outlet, then in. Generally, there's only about 110 volts left over because the re- resistance of that current moving on those wires uses up some power. So 110. Um, if you're inside the house, you don't really need a GFCI. I kind of like the way that Karen is doing it with a, a multi or a plug strip that has a strip. Uh, some of those have uh, overload protectors, but if you're using LED instead of, incand- you know, the old bulbs, the old incandescent used to get hot, you know, catch stuff on fire, drying out trees, you know, the fir tree dries out, the bulb, catch, you know. Now we're into LED light, light emitting diodes. They almost give off no heat. So the fire risk is so way far down. But the reason that they're not putting off heat is because they use very, very little power, very little consumed, consumed power electric. So it just isn't using up any electric. So you can put a gazillion LED lights on one strip. Uh, as long as you just keep putting them together, they'll keep burning. And you generally, it, you're almost hard-pressed to overload a circuit, um, a full circuit, uh, with LED lights. Let's go talk to my buddy, Sheila. Hey, Sheila, Scott Mosby, good morning. Welcome to KMWX. Uh, how are you this fine morning? I'm fine. Good morning, Scott. I, I have had a problem with, um, about 20 years ago, I had my bathroom redone, and a shower uh, surround bathtub put in, and I never get real good water pressure. I've tried several different shower heads, and what I'm wondering, Scott, it's the the faucet that comes out into the bathtub. You know, you pull the little lever up. There's always mm-hmm. water that's constantly still coming out of that. Would it help me to get a different uh, bathtub spout that? So much water wouldn't be uh, escaping from. Would that help with the water pressure? Yes, it'll not so much the pressure, but with the flow, because whatever's going down out of that spout in the tub down is not coming up to you, and it does help the pressure a good bit too. So, and kind of keep in mind that, you know, that I'm just going to pull some crazy numbers out, but that shower or that tub spout might be $10, but the little rubber gasket that makes the seal when you pull the knob up, you know, it's 12 cents. So it's the weakest link in the whole thing. So even though you've got this whiz-bang shower spout and it all pushes the water up to your shower, all yada, 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 that all depends on a 12-inch or 12-cent piece of rubber that wore out. You see? So yes, you I... Yep. Would you advise me to take the spout off altogether? It's all, this one's always been that way. Just take that spout off, and it should hook up just fine. 
Or should yes. I take it off and get a new gasket? What, do you know whether it's a slide-on compression where it just slips on and off or whether it screws on it? Because this can get to be rocket science where you need to be a Ph.D. to get that thing off the wall. I believe it screws on. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Now, for another 20 years of lime deposit on those threads, you could twist the entire pipe right out of the wall and wind up with that water hitting you right in the chest. So um, <laughs> I, I, unless you're pretty handy and pretty comfortable with all this, uh, my answer is yes, uh, check on replacing that spout. Again, picking it might be a half-inch uh, threaded pipe coming out. It might be half-inch uh, copper pipe, no thread. Uh, but uh, how old is your house? Uh, start there. Gosh, my house is probably 100 years old. Okay, uh, likely iron pipe, most definitely threaded on, and you do need the Ph.D. plumber to come in and take that puppy off. <laughs> Because because you can screw it off. You know, you can grab that spout and you can turn it the right, the correct direction to the left, unscrew it, but it'll be very hard to stop. And the plumbers don't know, you know, they're, they just are, they're guessing like you and I are. They're just guessing from a very experienced place of what's moving. So yeah, it's, uh, that might be it. When they come, if you get the plumber there, talk to them about the water pressure and your pressure reducing valve. You may have something down in the basement or at where the water comes in that reduces all the water pressure to your house. Um, so that's another one that may be a uh, cause for that. Okay. Uh, there's no thing in the shower head itself that has the water saver thing that I should look for or... Uh, it could be, but when you're having low flow and um, low pressure, usually it's uh, central to other parts of the house, too. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I appreciate your help, Scott. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, and I might just leave that can of worms left unopened. You know, um, uh, and there's probably a 30% chance that a plumber comes to your house and tells you just that. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yes, ma'am, I can get that off. And if I get it off and it breaks off, it'll be $700. And if I get it off and it's easy to get off, then it'll be $70. Uh, but I don't know which one you're going to encounter, nor me. So yeah. that, that, that could involve maybe taking the wall apart and getting into all that plumbing. Yes, because what happens is that that fixture is probably pot metal and it is screwed onto an iron pipe which is iron and the two of those metals get together and there's a little bit of electrolysis or there might be a little errant current you know from grounding the electric to the pipes years ago so you may have a welded on piece of, of shower spout so that when that plumber starts turning it he doesn't know whether he's turning the spout or the 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 nipple pipe in the wall or whether he's twisting the house next door in the neighborhood you know <laughs> i wouldn't want to do that all right well that's the Thank kind of mystery God. i appreciate your help okay that's kind of the yeah, truth I love of it the all old house. <laughs> okay. yeah i do love the old houses but they have their problems don't they oh yeah they, they, well we get them because they have character but sometimes they talk back to us be, because they have character <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sheila. Take care. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMWX. Sometimes I get a little uh, uh, more um, uh, festive in my responses, uh, but I, I, I like um, using humor to explain um, 
some of the things and, and you know, for those that know me, um, I, I never let truth get in the way of a good story. So uh, I try to add stories to whatever truth I'm delivering here on X. So, you know, never let a good answer uh, pass by without the opportunity for humor. Anyway, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I'm going to take a short pause on X here, and I promise I'll be right back. I love those J-I-N-G-L-E bells. I love holiday. Oh, you know, Scott Mosby here, Cam Wex. This is the Home Improvement Show. We're wrapping up hour one. Stay tuned. Hour two coming up after news, weather, and sports right here on Cam Wex uh, with our newsroom. Uh, newsflash, you know, Cam Wex actually has a newsroom. You know, Scott Jagel actually here doing news. Uh, does new, you know, Most uh, radio stations, a lot of, you just... Um, buy a service and it pipes in from somewhere else. Uh, so anyway, we are, uh, why when there's some, you know, snowstorm occurrence or anything big going on in the world or our community and news is impending and instant and has to be accurate, that's why everybody turns to KMOX. That's, that's, that's kind of who we are um, because we take it seriously and have since... Uh, you know, 1925. Anyway, 314-436-7900. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, tis the season. Uh, blessings to all of you. And uh, make sure you come back for hour two. I uh, be there. Top of the hour news, weather, and sports. Today, after this show at one o'clock, we go right to your retirement professionals right here on KMOX. So we roll right over into your retirement professionals one to two. Two o'clock, the business of family business. And then tonight, 645 right here on KMOX. Billiken Basketball, Billiken Basketball, uh, one of the things I also enjoy a lot. Uh, anyway, so back to the lumber futures. I want to kind of finish off. I, I kind of ran out of time on that. The point is, is on lumber futures, the $535 per thousand board feet uh, basically means that, you know, a thousand divided by 530 means 53 and a half cents for a board foot, which is 12 inches by 12 inches by one inch thick. And that's the undressed, meaning it hasn't been smoothed or planed or S4S surfaced on four edges. So basically you get a board and the board all, you know, the left and the right and the top and the bottom are all smooth. They've been planed smooth or surfaced. So the lumber is referred as S number four S, which means surfaced four sides. And then the, the end, the two ends of the boards are raw from being sawn or whatever. So just keep in mind surface four sides. So anyway, that lumber future measures the value or the demand or the price of the future sale of that. So anyway, uh, things are pretty stable here on the lumber business and the industry. So we'll be right back for more after this.